Hey guys, welcome back to a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. You know me, my name's Mac, and thanks for coming in for the newest episode. So uh, before we get into this week's guest, I wanted to thank last week's guest, as I always do, which was Dr. Ruth Harper, who is a clinical psychologist out of the UK. Um, really enlightening stuff, and it's funny... Um, so I really liked that analogy that she was talking about on last episode about the world feeling like an ice cream store, you know, and she said, imagine going into an ice cream store and thinking, you know, you're walking in, let's just say you like cookies and cream, right? And you walk in, you like cookies and cream, but you get to taste the whole ice cream store, right? So you walk in and, you know, uh, maybe you weren't expecting to taste strawberry and strawberry is actually pretty good. And you find out you like strawberry and, uh, you know, you walk in and you try cherry cordial and maybe cherry cordial is pretty good, but you know, uh, you try cookie dough and you're like, oh, this kind of sucks. And pistachio is the worst. You know what I mean? Like, so I just have this analogy that I've had in my brain for like this entire week about, you know, I'm really just, um, kind of testing the world and seeing what I like and paying attention to my choices and my feelings and my inner child. She talked a lot about that. So really such a cool episode. If you didn't check it out, go back and check that one out. But, uh, Dr. Ruth, thank you so much for doing that episode. And, uh, I'm really going to be applying a lot of those things into my life. Um, so before, you know, I get to this guest, you know, a lot of times I, I update you on things that are going on in my life weekly. And uh, today was a, I mean, this week was an interesting week for me. Um, earlier on in the week, uh, I got food poisoning from a bad burrito in New York City. So I was home on Wednesday from work. Uh, I couldn't go into work and I was just kind of, recuperating and uh I got a buzz in my apartment and I was like what the hell is this so I walk outside and they say hey are you Mac and I said yeah and the guy handed me a paper and I'm being sued by American Express for $30,000 worth of debt that I cannot pay uh so now I'm being sued again <laughs> and I talked to my lawyer Brittany and she said you know when this is this DV case is resolved uh, you know, we're going to go for a defamation of lawsuit uh, against my necks because, um, you know, I never had debt before this. I never did. And uh, all the legal fees that I've accumulated is what's causing this. And, you know, how are you going to sue me for money I don't have? You know what I mean? Um, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, I fear that bankruptcy is, in, is impending. Um but yeah, I, you know, I just keep pushing forward. So um, maybe I'm not as nervous about it as I should be uh, because I've kind of seen the way the trajectory of this whole thing has gone and uh, I keep going up. So I know that there's a plan for me and uh, it'll work out, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm getting sued by American Express. Kind of crazy. Um, so, you know, I've mentioned this many times on the podcast. If you guys, guys can, I would really appreciate if you contribute to the GoFundMe um, you know, I've said many, many times I am struggling financially, um, but emotionally I'm doing well. So, uh, if you can, please go to gofundme.com, search for dimming the gaslight and you'll find me and any amount is greatly appreciated. Uh, but I, I, I would really appreciate some help if anybody could help. Um, so that being said, uh, I'm going to bring in this week's, uh, guest. It's really cool. So, you know, I've gotten in touch obviously with a lot of people through social media and this is just a person who, you know, every day we just are bouncing ideas off of each other and we're, you know, we're talking about our issues and cracking jokes and I've really gotten to know this person really well. And, uh, it was just in the morning, you know, we were talking and I, it just dawned on me. I'm like, how come we've never done an episode? And she's like, honestly, I was kind of waiting for you to ask. And I was like, I'm surprised I didn't ask. And, uh, so here she is. Um, guys, check out this episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. So it's really cool. I've been able to connect with a lot of you guys on Instagram, but I only have maybe like a handful of people that like I talk to on the regular. And so I met a listener of my podcast named Jessica, who Jessica and I communicate. I mean, at least if not daily, I mean, weekly, we communicate all the time bouncing ideas off of each other. And I said to Jessica, I go, why haven't we done an episode yet? So here she is today. I'm bringing Jessica on the episode. Uh, welcome to the show. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Jessica here. <laughs> so I'm really glad to talk to you. And, you know, we've talked um, on Instagram before and like we did a video call in the past and stuff like that. So 
I just really appreciate you being here because it's not every day that like I get to interview people I admire and people who are staying strong and you're still going through it and you're going to tell your story. But like, this is just, it's an honor for me to be able to interview somebody like you. Oh, that's very sweet. Well, likewise, I'm happy to be here and happy to share my story. And, uh, you know, who knows, shed some light for some other people who have had slightly different experiences. So yeah, thank you. Or, or slightly similar experiences. Or slightly similar. Yes. There you go. So where do you want to get started? So that's a good question. I think we could get started. I am someone who, I think I went from one narc to another narc. <laughs> so previous narc did not marry. Um, the one that we'll be talking about today, I did marry. And so kind of, ex- you know, extricating myself from that that situation has been totally different. Yeah, it's uh, obviously, you know, when you go through a breakup, it's always hard. But when you go through a divorce, it's just like next level. I had never been married before. So for me, um, for me, marriage was it. And to be going through a divorce so quickly, as you know, mine kind of um, went really fast. You know, we weren't married for a very long time at all. Um, But at the same time, we were together for a total of six years, but the marriage was only about two and a half. Um, So for me, I guess, you know, getting started with I so you know, you know me that I sometimes feel like, well, what did I do to put myself in this situation? And I think that's really healthy to to examine what did I do to put myself in a situation to be with someone like this? But then it gets complicated with someone who's narcissistic because they are so good at manipulating. Yeah. Right. And 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 like you were just saying, like, you know, marriage is next level. So with with you, you have this internal monologue like hey, when I get married, like, this is it. I'm pulling my full effort into this. This is my end all be all. And, and, you know, if you want to be easy on yourself, like, I'm sure you got into it for the right reasons. Yeah, I definitely did. I got into it for the right reasons. You know, I, it was the time in my life where I was a little bit older when he and I met and a lot of, you know, females and maybe males for, you know, you guys too feel pressure to get married by a certain age. I think you've talked about that at like Mm -hmm. the whole thing let's get married, let's have a family, let's start a family. So I was a little bit older and I was definitely really, uh, I was looking for that. I was looking for marriage. I was uncertain about having a child just because of my age, to be totally honest with you. And that was something that we had talked about before we got married. And I was very, very clear, like, hey, I don't know if I can do this, right? I don't know if I can have children uh, um, because of my age. And so when, so we, we worked through all that and I felt really confident that we could um, show each other the type of love and understanding if things didn't work out in the in the child department. Mm-hmm. I thought that we could kind of work through that together because of some of the previous conversations that we had where I was led to believe absolutely like I would never leave you if you couldn't have a child. And lo and behold, that's kind of really what started the demise, I think, of our relationship was that yeah. he had me on a pedestal saw that I was good enough to have a child with. And then when it didn't work out and he couldn't fill that, you know, need for himself, I was discarded. Um, so that's really been, you know, my, when I step back and I'm, like you said, I'm still kind of in it a little bit. Um, we are officially divorced. I haven't told you that yet. That happened. Oh, look at you. Congratulations. I know. So I guess I can't say I'm still in it as far as in the eyes of the states and the laws. But I'm still in it insofar as processing it. Yes, and emotionally. So can you tell us a little bit about how you guys met and what those early stages were like? Yeah, so we met. We were actually set up on a blind date. Um, mm-hmm. We were set up by one of my closest, dearest, longtime friends um, and actually his sister. Um, so we were set up on a blind date. We met for our blind date. We did a outdoor activity. And I'm I'm big into outdoor activities and um it was kind of the perfect way i thought well great if we're doing this mountain bike ride and it doesn't work out then i'll just ride my bike away (laughs) you know like great it's the easiest blind date ever just right away but i was i was really smitten with him like we had so this is where my my story is a little different i guess this is where i felt like it might be interesting for some other listeners to 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 hear my side or my story so to speak not my side but I didn't really have the typical love bomb that you hear about. I had it with like a previous ex. They didn't really fill it with with my next. Um, it was more slow and methodical. And so when we first started dating, it was unlike anyone I'd ever been with. But yet that's also something that a lot of people will say, right? 
when they meet their narc, like, oh, it wasn't like anything else I'd ever experienced. So in that sense, um, when we started dating, I felt like, wow, you know, I've really never met anyone like him. Um, and so, but he was very slow and methodical. So we met on that blind date. And then for me, I was dating one other person at the time, but not very seriously. That person fell off. And then we just, we were together. And it was. So when you guys were on the. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So when you're on the blind date, right? And you said like, you're very into outdoors activities. Did he mirror you? Did he say like, hey, yeah, this is what I want to do. Or was it like, you know, like all your interests became his interest too? Yes. Yeah. Very much so. And I'm also a big um, skier and I'm a big snowboarder. And so that was something else that, you know, he kind of played up at the beginning. Um, Oh, yeah, there was a lot of, oh, yeah, I feel that way too. Or, oh, yeah, I think that way too. Or, oh, yeah, I'm into that too. You're right. There was a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. So, um, you know, like in the beginning, like, you know, of our relationship, whatever I said, if I said, you know, like I shared many, many in the beginning of this this whole podcast and like the early episodes, I said like... um, you know, like I was into doing like bucket list items. And I, I remember like one time I did uh, the polar bear plunge, which is like jumping into the freezing cold ocean. And she was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And like at the end of the relationship, I couldn't get her near and doing anything that spontaneous. So like I've heard from a lot of my listeners and a lot of my followers that that's very, very common is they mirror you and they make your interest theirs as if they came up with it. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There was definitely a lot of that. Um, So the mountain biking was an easy, easy one because that's how we met. So I was like, well, he clearly knows how to do that. So anything else I said after that, I just believed it. You know, and I I think that's something that's so interesting, too. Um, I take people at face value, right? Yes. Uh, So um, I there's I have learned that um, there's a lot of people out there who don't. And in fact, my next is one of those. He actually is very. what would be the word? Like he's uh, not very trusting. So of other people, so he's not trusting of other people. He's not trusting of other because he knows she's not trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yes, exactly. And uh, of course, I didn't know that at the time, right? When we were first together, I thought, "Wow, what a great, what a what a thoughtful way to be in the world to not always be so trusting and be a little bit more cautious." You know, I looked at it, I like fantasized about it almost, like yeah. you know. I, I yeah I thought it was something other than what it was turns out it's it's not a good thing but I do take people at face value so yes getting back to your point of the whole whatever I liked he liked absolutely like he loved going you know I like to go out and have a drink every now and then I'm not a big drinker like maybe you know a couple times a month I want to go out and like have a nice dinner or something and he was all about it at first and then that completely went away too yeah and then he just wants to stay home all the time and never go anywhere and yep me too yeah yeah, want to stay home all the time, was super, super fixated on money, just like completely obsessed, saving money um, was a huge deal. And and I, and I see the value in that, you know, so a lot of his arguments I, and I'm one of those people that I really I like people. So I don't necessarily need to like people who are like me. I just like all kinds of people. Um, and I think that that actually made me a good target because I'm open, really like learning from other people. And so that's kind of I looked at him almost as unknowingly at the time, like a teacher almost. Oh, wow. Like, what an interesting way to look at the world instead of paying attention that that maybe wasn't in alignment with what I wanted. Right. Yeah. You know, not not to like get a like wild digression here, but like so it's funny. I hear from a lot of listeners and followers and stuff and people say like, I I can't even imagine ever dating again because like I can't trust anybody. And you and I kind of sound similar in that way of like, I don't know what it is about me, but like. I give my trust until you lose my trust and then I'm out. But like for some reason, like you were saying, I take people at face value and it's actually kind of something I like about myself. I don't want to be walking around like this skeptic all the time thinking like, oh, I can't get close to people or I can't let them in or whatever that is. I don't know. I'm kind of an open book, but I tell a lot of people that I look for a red flag if, or I don't even look for the red flag, but they show me a red flag. I'll accept the red flag and that doesn't make me run. But then after that, I'm looking for patterns. And if there's like, it's kind of like a one, two, three strikes you're out type deal. That's a good way to go about it. Yeah. And has that helped you back in the, in the dating scene, you think? Yeah, it has. I, you know, I've made a deal with, with uh, you know, any women who I've dated or any women that actually know about the podcast that I've dated that I won't talk about my dating life on here specifically, but I'll, I'll tell you that, yeah, it has. It yeah. has. I've I've run from really stupid 
<laughs> stupid things that I know that I'm not, I'm not doing this time. I'm not doing it this time. Well, that's good to hear because as someone who I'm still not really confident in my skills to identify some of these red flags that become deal breakers, um, I, that's good to hear that you've got some that's working. I like that. I like hearing that. <laughs> so keep going. So he mirrored you, you know, he, with the money and with the, uh, well, he, he became a teacher to you is what you said. Yeah. Um, he, yes, I, I looked to him as a teacher and perhaps it's because maybe there were areas in my life that I wasn't super confident in. Um, and so money, money was one of them. And I really admired where he was trying to go. Um, financially speaking, like just certain financial goals that he had as an individual. And I thought that was really cool. And, um, I learned from him. I learned from him around that stuff. But as far as the mirroring goes, he, he did a lot of it mostly about like the activities. Um, it wasn't so much like, oh, you know, I like the same kind of music as you or, oh, I love this food. It wasn't to that extreme. He seemed mm-hmm. to have a hyper independence about him actually, which again, it has made my experience, um, a little bit, I think, different than some of the more traditional, like, textbook narc moves, if you will. Yeah. Um. And and what happened though, what I noticed throughout that process, and like just the way he was really rigid with a lot of things, was that, and I looked at it as regimented or uh, yeah, yeah, like focused. Do you know what I mean? Um. I think what I ended up learning was that it was the first sign of a little bit of control. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. Yeah. And and like, as you're saying this and I'm listening to you, like what it screams to me and I know, you know him better than me. So you correct me if I'm wrong, but it screams image to me. It's, it screams this like almost holier than thou, or like he knew how to get you to respect that image. Yeah. I, I, yes. Yeah. So it's funny because again, not textbook narc stuff from what I, what little I've read. Right. And what I'm continuing to read um, with the the grandiose, like having to be seen and center of attention. He's actually, mine is quite the opposite. And I actually have an excerpt from a book that I've been reading, if you're okay with me. Shoot, uh, of course. Like that's okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. So this Slam is- poetry with Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you know? <laughs> All right. So some of your listeners probably have stumbled across Bill Eddie's I somehow stumbled across him. So he's the author of this book that I'm about to quote, which is why I just wanted to kind of shout him out. He's awesome. So he's somebody who started out as a social worker and then became a a therapist and became a lawyer. And he's an expert in family laws with high conflict divorces. So So as I was going through my divorce or, you know, early on or somewhere where I realized it was just imploding, I somehow stumbled across him and I read a couple of his books, but this book is called Dating Radar. As I said, I'm still not ready to be out there dating. So I'm trying to figure out how to, how to do this the next time. And it's by Bill Eddie. But what he talks about in there is that some types of narcissists who are high conflict personalities may appear to be humble. And this is the quote from his book. They may appear humble, but even that for a narcissist is all about the move, right? Or it's all about the me move, excuse me. So again, going back to your point, Mac, about image, right? So in reality, uh, excuse me, going back to the quote, in reality, humility is a manipulative act meant to make them look even better. So yes, when you talk about it, yeah. Every single, everybody listening to this right now is going, hell yeah. Right? Yeah. That really resonated with me because again, I didn't have this grandiose center of attention, you know, totally outlandish um, type of personality that charms everyone in the room i had someone who was actually very reserved very controlled and and i thought that that was some type of strength right and uh turns out it was just another manipulation tactic which i've very recently discovered yeah so it's funny how when you step away and you have that 2020 hindsight and you sit there and you go oh well this piece fits with that piece and this fits here and oh yeah 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 you know i shared a story with uh my last episode i did an episode with uh, dr ruth harper who's a clinical psychologist out of the uk and I was telling a story about how my ex raised uh, money for cancer. And it was like this beautiful thing. And I was like, wow, I'm impressed, blah, 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 blah. And the next thing you know, like my life sucked. Like as soon as it was over and she was done getting that recognition for raising the money, it's like my life sucks and this sucks and you didn't clean it. And like, 
I'm like, you should be riding this high. Like, good for you. And no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, my that's interesting. Um, so mine was a little bit more reserved, like had sort of a, a moderate job, if you will, but um, really loved to have the attention on them, even though they weren't the center of attention in every room. Does that make sense? Sure. Oh, yes. Yeah. It almost like he commanded it in such a, a forceful way by not being engaging and like manipulating it from that narrative. Makes people um, come to him. Yes. Domineering, right? Like very domineering. And so did you ever see that fall or did you ever see that kind of slip? Yeah, I did. Um, there would be times we'd be out together. I have a, I have a very close knit group of friends who I've had for like 25 years. Like we've literally, we've been best friends for forever. And um, so when he was around my friends, because he didn't have, he really didn't have very many friends at all. Um, on our wedding day, he had like two people there and it was his mom and his brother. That's it. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Red flag. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you've heard my story, but yeah, similar type. No, of no, actually. Yeah, know. she had two. Uh, so I had my best friend. I've talked about it many, many times on this podcast. His name is Mo. And I had an episode I did with Mo. And uh, he and I were talking about like, so he was one of the best men in my wedding and I had somebody else, but I was only allowed to have two of my friends in the wedding because she only had two friends. One was this like lifetime friend who she eventually fell out with. And another one was someone that like she just met around the way. Right. They had been friends for maybe a year and now she's including this girl in the wedding. But the as the story goes, I had a bachelor party. And my next didn't have a bachelorette party. So I come home from my bachelor party and she's pissed, right? And and all we did is we rode boats and shot guns. We didn't do anything like crazy or anything like that. But then she was pissed that she didn't have a bachelorette party. So what happened is she, she when I came home, she was mad at me. So I called this girl that she was friends with for like that year. And I said to her, I was like, hey, you know, like I just got back from my bachelor party. She didn't have a bachelorette party. I was like, you know, do you guys have anything planned or anything like that? You know, she she just wants something, you know, and she goes, Mac, I tell you what she goes. She has been nothing but a pain in the ass to me. She goes, I'm going to come to your wedding. I'm going to smile. I'm going to take the pictures. I'm going to do all that shit. But the moment your wedding's out, I'm out. And they did not remain friends. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Like I have some other friends who were narcissists and that sounds very, very similar to my. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we, yeah, uh, what were we talking about? I well, we were talking about have you ever seen it slip or or, oh, yeah. or anything like that? Have you ever seen that that image kind of slip down or him let his guard down? Oh, definitely. I mean, there were times when it was just the two of us. You know, a lot of times he would kind of let it down with just me. Uh, but very quickly, if I got too close or it got too uh, vulnerable, it would go back up, right? Can you give us an example? Maybe like about money or social yeah. status? Yeah, let me think about that. So, oh, okay. Well, this was kind of a common one. Um, if there was like a, something he was struggling with at work, mm -hmm. uh, let's say he came home and there was something he was struggling with at work. And, you know, I would sometimes, sometimes we just want to have somebody listen to us, right? Whereas sometimes right. we want advice. So there were times where I would just say to him, like, you know, do you want me to just listen or do you want advice on this? And there were times where he would say, well, yeah, you know, what do you think? He also didn't really like getting, having my opinion very often. Um, so anyway, so there were times where he would kind of let the guard down, tell me about a struggle that he was having. And I would sort of, you know, we'd decide like, yeah, you know, what do you think? And I would say, well, I, you know, I kind of think that maybe you could handle it like this or, you know, here's another way that you could handle it. So more like work related stuff. And then he would quickly kind of, I'm trying to remember like the exact phrases that he was would use, but he would say something like, just, just just he would disregard it and then the wall would just go back up does that kind of make sense totally and you're triggering the living shit out of me right now like so <laughs> she used to do the same thing to me and she used to be like you know she would ask my opinion of something but i know she didn't really want it she just wanted to be able to say she asked my opinion so i would give my opinion and then she would play like devil's advocate a hundred times and I would sit there and I'd be like, so why am I even giving my opinion? Like, you're not looking to take my advice. You're just right. looking. You you want me to open my mouth so you could tell me to shut up is basically what you're doing. Right. Like, why why are we even having this conversation right now? Right. Because you're not going to take my advice. It's just, no. you know, it's like talking to a wall. It was. It was a lot like that. I just so, you know, you get so close. You get so excited. You know, you care about someone. You love them. You want to be there for them. And you're trying to show them that love the best way you can. And then 
you get so close and then boom it was gone at least in my experience well like how to start this off you're coming from the right place and then you like you genuinely want to help them they're asking for your advice you're like oh good like i care about this person let me help them with this issue and then they throw it back in your face and then they try to make you feel like you made it worse by giving bad advice you're like okay i'm just walking away like forget yeah sorry if you can hear the siren sorry about that Um, oh yeah no i it's really interesting that whole whole um getting getting too close and then you know and that and and i was like oh my gosh you know we're gonna have a connection (laughs) that's gonna be great for us and then the walls would just go back up so that that was kind of something more regular i guess as an example and then there were other times what like i was trying to say before when i totally lost my train of thought which as you know i do but i um with my friends same things we we would be out with my friends or we'd be over at somebody's house and having a good time and you know, we're playing a game, a board game or something, and everyone's laughing and hooting and hollering, and he's loosening up. And then, you know, he would be laughing and having a good time. And then all of a sudden, somebody would say something that just set him off. And it was like, we were all walking out of eggshells. So uh, I don't know if that's typical of narcissists. I really don't know. But I know that that was something that I felt like when the wall would come down a little bit, I could see a little bit more of that vulnerability. And then boom, it was gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can totally relate to that. Yeah, my mine used to do that all the time, and like you, it, well, a lot of times too. <laughs> um, I you know I talk a lot on this podcast about my aunt. My aunt always says, "My ex wasn't able to sit and have conversations with people. Everybody would be in a group, and she would pull one person to the side and try and like get in their head and like find out what they thought of me, and then like kind of plant some seed in their brain. It was it was weird. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. That's really weird. Sorry to interrupt. Um, the other thing too, I mean, I don't know about you, but I really value the people closest to me. I value their opinions a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, and so certainly when you're with someone, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever, you value their opinion a lot. And so I was in a situation in, in, in my marriage where we, I, th- I went to him for some things, right? Naturally, you do that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of the whole point of marriage is that you have the support system to go to somebody and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this and you know, I need some help. And you value their opinions. And I felt as though my experience showed me with him that uh, his opinion mattered way more than mine, right? Mm-hmm. So... So he could give me his opinion on everything and anything at any time on any topic. And I would really, I would listen. Like, I really care about this person. I think that this person brings value to my life. And so uh, that was a common, that's something that I'm kind of extracting and working on in therapy right now with my therapist. And so that's been interesting, interesting to look at that. Of course, the people who you hold the closest, you do value their opinions. And I feel like that was another manipulation tactic but god forbid it was ever in reverse right it just didn't work it was such a weird flow like as you know being with someone who is this way it's so unbalanced right but then there's just enough there's like just enough of a nugget of some type of connection that you feel like oh yeah 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 no we're good i don't know yeah. if I'm making sense. no you are you're totally making sense okay. and the thing i'm thinking while you're saying this and you said like you're not ready to get back in the dating game or whatever but like so like again we as the quote-unquote empaths like we have the right intentions so we get married for the right reasons um so we're willing to overlook some of those things or even at one time they did consider our opinions so like we were like okay i'm trying to get back to that um but as you're talking like and i'm I'm listening to what you're saying like for me now it's like i'm still going into you know relationships with the right intentions but um if I can't come to a common ground or if I can't, you know, if I just feel like I'm talking to a wall, I mean, that's a massive red flag. Like, you yeah. know, you're supposed to be able to have bilateral conversations and not just like be like dictated at, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just I don't want to do it ever again. I just I, I don't want to ever go through. That. I have to learn something from this for Christ's sake. I know. I know. Right. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to learn too much just a little bit. But um, the other thing that I experienced was um, the the compassionate listening that I was required to give him. Mm-hmm. Tying into kind of what we're just talking about. So I 
you know, early on, everyone's on their best behavior when they're dating. And I was too, right? And I, I look back at that and I kind of try to narrow it on like, was I being inauthentic? And and I don't think I was. I, I really feel like I'm an authentic person through and through. However, we are on our best behaviors when we're dating, right? Uh, um, And so I can look back to that time and see that I was maybe a little reserved until I got to know him a little bit more and my opinions um, I wasn't as vocal with them because I wanted to hear what he had to say. So I was very good at doing this, like compassionate listening. Yeah. And I've since read again in this book that I was reading, the one by Bill Eddy, the, uh, well, this one's called dating radar, but, um, he talks about that, that some narcissists have these, you know, really interesting childhoods or, or a childhood that kind of is where the wound happens. Right. Um, in such a way. And then there's another type. Anyway, you'd have to read the book. I'm probably not doing him any justice, but basically there's a type of adult narcissist who in their childhood had a parent or parents who would show them nothing but compassion through and through, right? And so they grow up not understanding, like having this give and take in the relationship to your point of if there if there's a wall there and it's not reciprocated, like you're not in it. Um, but that is something that I am, I'm processing. Like the whole, I had to be, a, I was a very compassionate listener um, but that's all I could ever be. I, God forbid I had an opinion and forget it if it was different than his. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So at what point did, um, so you said you guys were dating for like six years, right? So we dated, so we ended up dating for about two and a half years before we got engaged. And then, um, we had about a year and a half of engagement. Is that right? And then our marriage was like two and a half years. So yeah. Um, all in all, it was six years. Um, I am his second wife and, um, I, during my separation from him actually did connect with his first wife, mm -hmm. uh, didn't know her beforehand, but was struggling with a few things and took a shot in the dark and reached out to her. And the, um, timelines and the experiences are almost identical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was alarming but also cathartic for me to know that i wasn't alone and i wasn't i wasn't going crazy right like oh he's done this before this is a pattern that's unresolved um clearly for him uh there's no way you can marry the same person twice like can you make a bad decision a couple times in a row yes but i'm not her and the the mirror it's just kind of shocking to hear that the timelines are exactly the same the behaviors were incredibly similar some of the languages and things that he said were almost identical. So that was, um, I don't know that I recommend that for everyone, but I know for me, it helped me. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. I, um, so a long, long time ago, I had, um, you know, like a social media influencer on and her name was Regina and her account was called pain to power. And I remember her saying she had like, he, she got in touch with like, I want to say like six, of his exes and like oh, wow. the same sort of thing like they all matched up so it's funny um i remember my ex uh you know she rode motorcycles and stuff she was pretty badass and uh i remember when we were married or dating like maybe engaged whatever i remember seeing her liking a picture of her ex-boyfriend on a motorcycle and i was like huh so i was looking at this picture right and i'm like Okay. And then I start looking through this guy's profile and he's funny. He seems a lot like me. And like, he had all these, like, uh, I don't know if you know that song so far away by stains, like now that we're gone so far away. Anyway, it's like this downer, but like, you know, this like revelation type of song. Anyway, I'm going somewhere with this story. Right. So I, I was just, I was just looking at this. Right. And I'm like, this guy's been through it. <laughs> I was like, her ex-boyfriend's been through it. And she used to tell me, oh, all my ex-boyfriends miss me. Right. So now fast forward since I'm out. I've gone on Facebook trying to look for that guy and I would love to have him on this podcast. But if it's not the right guy, I don't want to reach out to him and be like, hey, did you date so-and-so? And then he tells me no or he tells me yes or like, I don't even know. How, like, I don't know. It's so weird. But I really, I pray to God at one point, I've talked about him a lot. I really want to get Fireman John on this. When that whole thing implodes on her, I want Fireman John on this podcast because that would be so epic. <laughs> I can't wait for Fireman John to be on the podcast. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> Not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm so excited. That's cool, so cool. 
anyway, so yeah, all right, cool. So you connected with his ex-wife. So um, when you were engaged and like going into getting married, were there any reservations? Was there any like, you know, oh, should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? I mean, you said it was your first marriage. So like, were you panicking or you were just like, no, this is this is the right thing to do? No, I wasn't panicking. I, I will say I did have a really hard time planning the wedding. Um, I think that perhaps because, you know, he was kind of completely uninvolved in it. Um, I wasn't really sure. He was uninvolved, but then yet controlling about certain things. That makes sense. So I just kind of had a hard time deciding where and who and how much. And so that part of the wedding planning was a little stressful for me. But I think that is for everybody. Like, yeah, and most men don't contribute. I didn't contribute much either. Yeah, so. exactly. It's kind of typical. So I didn't really take that as like a sign, you know. Um, looking back, of course, we always see so many signs. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like leading up to the wedding, I actually felt like we had a, a decently stable relationship. Um, and, mm -hmm. and the wedding day itself was okay. Like it was good. I mean, I can't complain about it. It it was a lovely ceremony. We had a good time together. But um, I can say that there were red flags in our relationship, like before we got to the to the altar. Right. Mm -hmm. And like you were touched on before, I chose to see the best in him. Um, I, I won't be doing that again. <laughs> that's a reflection on you, though. Like, that's a reflection on you, yeah. not on him. It's a reflection of the kind of person that you are, that like yeah. you're willing to love somebody even when they're flawed. And that's like super important. It is. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, we're all flawed, right? It's like, I he's not perfect. I'm not perfect. I was hoping for this same type of, you know, love in return. Didn't really, obviously didn't work. Um, And we know why. But yeah, so, so leading up, there were a couple red flags, a couple of big ones. I will say, um, I've talked to my therapist, you know, about this, not ad nauseum, but certainly enough. And she doesn't want to be like an armchair diagnoser, right? But she has said some things about you know is it narcissism is it this is it antisocial is it that um i will say that from my experience living with this person being with this person day in and day out for six years i will say i feel like he was a pretty avoidant person and i think i might be more of like an anxious attached person again i don't i'm not a therapist so this is just my limited you know hindsight um trying to process everything but i i when I look back at any red flags before we got married, I see some things that were pretty avoidant on his part. And I don't know if that's typical of narcissists, because again, I hear of a lot of things about the love bombing and like the, you know, just like kind of incessant need to always be put up on that pedestal by the person that they're with. Right. And so I actually, so my experience with him where the red flags were more some of these avoidant type of things um, that I probably could have said you know i don't know is this is this the right situation is he caring about me in the right way is he presenting himself as a good man who's going to be a good husband and for me those there were a couple things that i definitely overlooked that i feel like um i shouldn't have um but anyway otherwise though the relationship was pretty good i mean we had a lot of fun uh and that's the thing i think about these relationships is that when you're in them and they're good they're so much fun yeah <laughs> they're they're great like right until they're not and then so yeah leading up to the wedding day everything seemed fine had a had a great wedding uh came back we actually had a destination wedding came back to where we live and um things shifted somewhat quickly just in the sense that um i felt less and less like i was important to this person and more and more like i became an inconvenience honestly and i think it's because his drive to have a child and to be a father uh, that wasn't happening in our relationship and the infertility that I was going through um, really, and that, and that can drive a wedge between, you know, a lot of couples. Right. So, uh, but for us, it was, it was really intense. Um, there was a lot of gaslighting going on. There was a lot of, you know, manipulating and I, I don't know for sure, but I think maybe there was some other person involved at some point. Um, I have my, my suspicions, but mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, so um, I have my suspicions and I, I do have some information on something that happened early in our relationship that would support that. So, so yeah, everything was, it was okay. I overlooked some things, but it was okay. And I was hoping for the best. Uh, I won't be doing that again. <laughs> so when, like, for example, like you said, you got married and, um, you know, he kind of like was avoided. Like, was it the kind of situation where, like, you'd say, hey, let's go to my friend's house for this board game game and again, right? 
And yeah. then, you know, you're married and he's like, no, I don't want to go. You go by yourself. Right. Oh, constantly. So absolutely. Stuff like that on the regular. And I really just wanted to be supportive of the person he was. I was like, listen, he wants to spend a lot of time by himself. Like, doesn't mean he doesn't love you, you know? Um, but it got to the point where there was a trip that, so he hadn't taken a vacation and we went through COVID together. We were newlyweds through COVID. And then we purchased a house during COVID. Actually, anyway. Um, so we get to this point where um, we have an opportunity to take a vacation together. I hadn't taken a vacation. He hadn't taken a vacation. It was a long time coming, I felt like, right? And he knew. I mean, I, I told him, I, I don't need vacations all the time. But like every now and then, I'm, I love to go camping. I'm like, just take me away from the weekend. Let's just go camping somewhere. Let's just, you know, get out of Dodge for a little bit. And that was like pulling teeth. You know, it was always an excuse. There was always a reason why he didn't want to do it. And so the, but the big one that I'm referencing that came up was, um, he planned a trip for himself and took him by himself and went golfing somewhere by himself. And I'll leave some of the details out, but anyways, that I just remember feeling so abandoned, right? Like this, I was like, wait a minute, we haven't had a vacation since before COVID and now the first vacation, an opportunity that we get to be together, you're not even, you're like not there. You don't even want to aim with me, you know? And I said, you know what? what? Yeah, so like, I'm just thinking like, as you're saying this, I heard a long, long time ago that like narcissists kind of collect milestones. Okay. And so like marriage is a milestone because like, it's an image. I'm married. I'm desirable. I'm this and that having children is a milestone. So they collect these milestones. Right. So with the, like you said, the infertility issues, maybe he felt like, okay, I don't have that milestone. So it couldn't be about me. The once he got married, it was like a check mark. Like he already checked it off the list. So now that he's married, what does he have to work towards? He doesn't have to give you attention. He already married you. You're his. Yeah. So like, what else does he have to do? He doesn't have to work to keep you. He got you. When she accomplishes you, you you're done. You're finished. You're like a book on a shelf. Hey, that's totally how I felt. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yep. And, you know, and then my friends and my family were like, what do you mean he's going by himself? You guys are technically still newlyweds and you don't have kids. It's not like when he has to stay home with the kids, take him to his basketball game or you're not. Yeah. He wasn't like a guy's trip. I mean, he went by himself. Like he did, just like said, there did were, that turn into a big fight between you and him? No, it, it, I, yeah, it became, it became a big argument. I let it sit for a few days because I, I waited. I wanted to wait to see if he was going to like extend the invitation to me. Like how sad. I remember feeling so sad. And just thinking like, okay, there's, he's my husband. There's going to be, he's going to invite me. Like, this is just his initial planning vision. You know, he's just got this kind of like narrow focus. He really wants to give this stuff. He's definitely going to, he's going to say, yeah, like, we're, let's do this together. Didn't happen. So then a few days later, I said, I brought it up to him and I was like, listen, I just have to tell you that I'm, I'm not feeling so great about the fact that you want to go on a vacation by yourself when we haven't had one together since basically our honeymoon, right? Um, like what is what's this about you know and then he would it would always come back on me well what do you mean like i can't go take a vacation by myself i mean i do everything with you all day long we live together i don't know why i have to be this but you know it was always about me being like super uptight or not understanding and so that's how that blew up and i remember at that point i started you know at a certain point in these relationships at least for me I started to stand up for myself more and more because you have to, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it just becomes so ridiculous. Like, we, you and I have talked about this where you're like, are you effing kidding me? Like, <laughs> this conversation is not really happening this way because what you're saying isn't making sense. You're throwing it back on me. So that conversation was almost like that moment and that conversation was almost a turning point for me to where I was like, something is totally off here. Like, I don't know exactly what it is, but something is wrong. And I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's us, but this is not the way that a marriage should be. And that's all I knew. And like I, I said, what's funny is that I sit here and I go like at, from a man's perspective, right? And thinking about like my female narc, <clears throat> excuse me, all I would want to be like, hey, let's go on like as a man, I'm like, hey, let's go on vacation. Come on, let's go on vacation. And and no, she would say no. So like it, it's a, the man should want you to be there. You know what I mean? And like the other thing is too, is that like, I know she would tell me that she doesn't want to go with me because I'm mean or I'm nasty or I'm whatever. But the thing is, is that 
you know, I'd be like, why don't, why don't you want to be with me? And it would be get so frustrated, just kind of like what you're saying. Why don't you want me to go on this trip? And then you get frustrated. Like, why don't you understand that I want you to want me and I want you. And, and that's when they're like, well, you're nasty. Look at you. Look at you. You're getting crazy. Are you crazy? And they're like, what? I want you. Why is this wrong? Did I? Is is that a, a that's a form of gaslighting, right? Sure, I think. Sure. Like when you, have, yeah. So that's where it really yes that 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 is such a hard place to be when you're 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 confused. You're trying to sort it out. You're trying to um, sort it out for yourself. You're trying to sort it out for the marriage or the relationship, and you're trying to understand them. And it's like, yeah. At what point do you just say to someone like, well, I mean, what do you even say to that, right? I just now you see like uh, going back we got into it for the right reason so you wanted your husband to take you on vacation and he stonewalled you into not taking you on vacation and then turned it around on you flipped it on you that you're crazy for even like getting on his case about him going without you even though you guys had talked about it and like like it just doesn't make any sense so like now you know like what do you even say to that now, you know, I was in the right intentions then. Now, I won't tolerate that shit. Exactly. You know, like I'm in a relationship because you want me and I want you. If that's not how it goes, then kick rocks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. And I just remember in the in the, in that moment feeling so confused and flustered and like, why why is this happening? What? How do I how do I handle this? How do I? Am handle- I wrong? Am I wrong? Am I really giving him a hard time? Should I just let him go on vacation by himself? Maybe I'm being a jerk. Yeah. Oh, right. I know. Tons of self-doubt. Tons but you know you're right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I knew I was right. It was just a matter of, um, how, you know, is it is it possible for this other person in this relationship to see any side of what I'm saying that, like, yeah, okay, I can see it from your point of view, you know, anything? And it just took, like, an act of Congress to get <laughs> that point across, right? It's, it's yeah. torture. Yeah. So and did it all snowball like, downhill from there? Goes downhill from there. I'm trying to think of, you know, I don't, we don't need to talk timelines, right? But I know I've been doing that, but sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was downhill from there. And there are more and more fights because I started to stand up for myself more and more. I remember one of the last conversations. So so I have a, a type of job where I am customer facing. And I spend a lot of time interacting with men and women. Like mm-hmm. human nature. We interact with men in life. We interact with women. It's fake, right? I had a situation come up that I didn't think was a situation. It was to the coworker assisting them in another city um, for for some prospecting for a for a job that we were working. Mm-hmm. And um, he started to get my my husband at the time started to get uh, very suspicious of my activities. Which I'm a I'm an open book. I'm like you can look at my phone anytime you want. You can ask me. You can ask me all the questions. Like I'll tell you everything and anything. Even if you don't want to hear it, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not up to anything. Like, if I'm married to you, I'm married to you. Your conscience is clean. If you have nothing to hide, your conscience yeah. is clean. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, an open book. And well, I, he started to get more and more suspicious. And one day, you know, reached for my phone and was like, can I look at your phone? And I'm like, yeah, go for it. You know, not, I don't, I, like I said, I have nothing to hide. But as you know, and as the, the, uh, the phrase goes, if you go looking for something, you might find it. Right. So. He was reading through just a section of thread on a message with this coworker of mine who, again, doesn't even live in the same state as me, literally <laughs> resides in an entirely different state. And as someone who I never saw face to face, always on the phone, except for like a training session once. Anyways, so um, starts reading through the text messages. And then it was like World War Three. I cannot believe that you're planning a trip with another man. Um, just started just, you know, dreamed me for not just hours or days, but like months. And for literally six months would kind of go back to this whole situation. You're talking to another man. And I would be like, well, technically I talk to other men all the time. I work in a field that is male dominated, um, but I talk to women all the time. Like, you know, I'm talking to you right now. You're a man. Right. Yeah. Talking to a man. It happens. It's like hard. And we're in totally different states. (laughs) Yeah. We're in totally different states. This, this, it's, Again, that the dramas that would come up from nothing and and the fights that he would instigate from things that weren't there to support his belief that I was a bad person. 
Right. Let me let me share this story with you. Yeah. So I used to be a sales manager. Two jobs ago, I used to be a sales manager and I used to manage sales rep. And I had a sales rep who was a woman. Okay. And uh, when I was training this woman, she was a Brazilian woman. She was she was pretty. I'm not gonna lie. She was a good looking girl, but um. You know, like, so my ex asked me how this person's doing. So when she went into the store, I brought her with another guy who had been working with me for a while. So I brought her into the store. She was selling whatever she was selling. And, uh, you know, she did well. The guy bought everything from her. And I don't think it was because he was pretty. It was just because the guy was a nice guy. So um, that's how I relayed the story back to my ex. And she got so pissed. And she was always, always, like, you know, super suspicious of me. But I managed this girl and I have to... I have to communicate with her every single day. So one day, it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm laying in bed. I'm sound asleep. All of a sudden, I get drilled in the face with my phone. And I go, what the fuck? And I get up and she goes, want to go to lunch? And goes, runs down the stairs. And I go, what? So I had a company credit card where actually my business encouraged me to take my employees out to lunch for like, you know, camaraderie for like team building so i had a report to go over with the girl and i said hey do you want to meet up for lunch i got drilled in the nose with a phone at two in the morning yep yeah uh, yeah what i didn't do anything i didn't do anything I, I i didn't do anything and and also why is that your reaction of all the things that you could do to talk about this that's the way you choose to go about it. By like, if you if you're looking for something, you'll find something. I've used that line with her. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, you take a snippet of anything. I mean, we. I mean, that's literally what happens in the media half the time. You take a snippet of something that somebody says on a podium, and you can read into it however you want. It's like, yeah. So it's just, uh, when you're in a marriage, it's like you, you would think that somebody would would want to talk through it. And I remember being like, call him, like call this guy. I did like, too. Oh yeah. my God, Jess. Yeah. yeah, me too. And let me guess, she didn't call, did she? Oh, no, fuck no, she didn't. Yeah, mine didn't either, but for six freaking months, wanted to <laughs> drill down on how awful this was. I was like, it's, right. it's funny we could laugh about this now, but at the time, man, I was pissed. I'm like, that's what you, I get mad about when that's what you think of my character. Like, you think I'm a cheater. You think I'm like that. And that pisses me off because I know you're accusing me of something that's so far out of my character. And that's um, what I would say. I would say you're not giving me any credit. Like, I'm not this kind of person. You have to give me credit that I wouldn't do that. Right. No. Like, yeah. So what was, may I ask, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? So for me, it was the six, seven, almost eight months at the end of it of of just the gaslighting. And, you know, I would say thank you. Just the fighting, the incessant, like, unnecessary fights. And I just... I woke up one day and I was like, you know, I'm a little older, as we've talked about. I'm I'm in my early 40s. And I just thought, I don't want to spend the rest of my life like this. I can't, I can't help this person help themselves. Um, so the straw that so that so the aha moment for me was when uh we were having a conversation about um uh, we were having a conversation about again things that I was doing in the relationship that were awful, right? And I said, can you tell me, he said, everything I've ever told you, you've used against me. And I said, well, like, what, can you tell me what it is? Because I genuinely don't know what I've done to upset you to this point, And I want to know what it is. And his response was everything I've ever told you. And I said, but what's, can you give me one example of when I've used something against you? One example, just give me one. Give me one. And he goes, everything. And he blows it. Right. I know. Oh, my God. You're taking me back. Yeah. And I'm like, I just remember sitting there and I had it in my in my stomach. And I just thought, I I can't do this anymore. And so for me, that was the moment that I went after months and months and months of being treated this way. Um, I just thought, I'm not doing this. And so I said, so, I, so, so there were like eight months where we would have these dragged out conversations and I would try to understand him and it was like these hour-long discussions where we I, we I thought we would get somewhere and then we we wouldn't apparently because he would always bring it back up so for eight months he was saying to me like I want to get a divorce I think we should get a divorce for eight months and finally 
that moment when he was like, everything, you know, um, you use everything against me I've ever told you. I just had that moment of, all right, you know what? I do want a divorce. So I said that. That was the first time I had said that I wanted a divorce. And that was it. It was like a flip of a switch um, on on his side of things. And, you know, I have to say at, at the time it was very shocking um, to see to see it, to see like the literal the flip switch because he started saying, oh, I'm, I'm so relieved and, you know, you're such a miserable person. And then like 10 minutes later, I was trying to do some laundry or something and he came out and was like, you know what? I have no more love for you. Absolutely none. And he didn't fight. He didn't fight for it. So it was almost like the decision was made for me. And I'm really, really thankful for that because it's easy to get like looped back in, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was for me, that was, that was it. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> so how has it been? How has it been post-separation? How long ago was that first one? So that was in, let me think, hold on. That was April, I think, of last year. So this okay. April year. So how has it been post-separation? So it has been both wonderful and really challenging but I will say I have going through this process of separation and then divorce is one of the hardest things you can go through. Mm -hmm. I have felt so much peace about my decision and I didn't know that I would because I had so much self-doubt. Um, and so I, I, I felt a lot of peace. Um, I feel like I have, I have hope now for the rest of my life where um, even if that's with no one, like it's better than being in the situation that I was in. Yes. yes. Like a million times better. And so as hard as it is and as scary as it was, and I mean, there were days back where I would just lay there in my bed, pit in my stomach for hours, just thinking, I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what steps to take. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. And I have the closest friends, right? But it was still so isolating. It's still so lonely. And then I started to, you know, listen to podcasts. And that's kind of how I stumbled across you, as you know. Um, Thank you. So it's been good. It's been really good. I'm really thankful that I'm, I'm, I can now say I'm on the other side of, you know, the marriage. Now the healing starts, right? Right, right. Yeah. And uh, you did kind of just pass a personal little milestone in the divorce process, right? I did. I did. What happened with that? So my attorney, uh, of course, the divorce process, even though we didn't have children, was tumultuous because, of course, dealing with a narc always is. Um, so, so that was challenging. And, and my attorney, uh, said when we finally got to the settlement agreement and signing of it, she said, you know, typically the judges might take, I don't know, 60 days, some, some take, you know, 120 days to get the, the, the signed and final decree. So I wasn't really expecting to be divorced very quickly, but believe it or not, my attorney's paralegal sent in the settlement agreement which I was like just beyond, I was thrilled that I even got to that point because it was pretty litigious for a while and I was at risk in a lot of ways. And so we get the settlement agreement signed, paralegal sends it, forwards me, uh, and she had sent it to the judge. And that was at two o'clock on like a Wednesday afternoon. I'm not kidding you. At 4.55, the paralegal forwards me the signed decree and I call her the next morning, same day, same day. I call her the next morning and I go, so how often in these divorce cases do you get a, a, a decree signed the same day? She goes, never. Our firm has never seen that. And I go, I'm taking that as a sign. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I love? I saw somewhere um, a picture of Nicole Kidman walking out of the courthouse after she divorced Tom Cruise. And you yeah. can just see this palpable happiness on this yeah. person's face. And like, I long for that feeling. Yes, yes, and you will, you will have that feeling. It'll be so, so righteous and satisfying. It'll be so great. Yeah, 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 so awesome. Well, Jessica, we're coming to the end of the hour here. I really, really appreciate you being on this. Um, it's kind of like an impromptu thing. I mean, we just said this morning, it was like, yo, you got to come on the podcast. I don't know why we haven't done this yet, but um, yeah. are there any final thoughts that you want to leave the audience with? Any words of uh, wisdom or anything like that? I mean, I would just say, trust your gut. Trust your gut, don't be afraid, and just know that there is life on the other side. Um, I would also say, 
uh, having gone through a divorce now, I would say plan and prepare as much as you can before filing or before leaving. Um, you know, try not to be super impulsive when you do that. This is the one time in your life that you really don't want to be that way and really seek out great legal advice. As you guys know, Brittany is an awesome resource. Um, so definitely she's someone, but you know, find a great attorney who you really connect with and seek them out first before you blow it up. Uh, that's the one yeah. I would put differently, right? But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. Side. So don't be scared. And, you know, you've got reach out to people, reach out yeah. to people, because who knew that this community was out there? And I'm so grateful that you started this whole thing because thank it's you. really been my pipeline. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. And, uh, Okay. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for doing this. This has been really cool. I'm really excited. And um, yeah, thanks for doing it. So until next time, everybody. Thanks.